Romans chapter number one this evening. <clears throat> the last four messages we've heard have been centered on the fact that we have a job to do. <clears throat> it would be safe to say that the strong majority of all the information we've heard Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and this morning is not new. It's not a revelation of new proportions. It's things we know. And yet, if you're like me, we know a lot of things we ought to do. The hard part is the practice of those things. And tonight, the Lord directs us to Romans chapter 1. And I believe tonight we're actually going to start in verse number 15. And I'd like to talk to you this evening what has been the greatest struggle in my life. Now, this may not be a struggle for you. So if it's not, sit there and nod your head, don't fall asleep and move on, right? If it is, welcome to the club, all right? Look here in Romans chapter 1, verse number 15. The Bible says, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That word ashamed means exactly what it says. You are put to shame or made to feel shame. Now, none of us... If we uh, let's let's back up and state something first. If we are saved, born again believers in God's word, there should never be a point at which we are caused to feel shame because of the gospel of Christ. I agree. Let's move on. We'll come back to that. Verse sixteen: For it is the power of God. That's that power we heard about this morning, dunamis. Okay. The power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. That Jew first is not talking about priority, it's talking about timing. Doesn't mean that the Jews were better, so they got first crack at it and you all got the leftovers. It means they had the first shot because that's where Jesus came from. Okay? And verse 17, for therein, that's in verse 16, is the righteousness of God revealed From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Father, I need your help tonight. Lord, so many things are bouncing around in my head. But Father, the one thing that I know for sure is that this is what you have for us for this moment in time. So Lord, would you fill this unworthy vessel Would you speak to my heart and to the hearts of God's people tonight? Or would you put me out of the way? Help me to only say the things that you desire to be said tonight. But Lord, most of all, would you be honored and glorified. We thank you for your word and your son. We do lift up our pastor to you tonight. Would you work in an unusual way in his life? Would you give wisdom and discernment? And Lord, most of all, would you protect him? We love you. Thank you for your son. Help us never to be ashamed of you. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. This evening, Lord willing, I would like to talk to you 
uh, for a few moments about the need for boldness. <clears throat> now, you say, well, Mr. Davies, what is boldness? That's an excellent question. Um, in my mind, boldness tends to run in tandem with courage. Okay? Uh, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the presence of fear, but the desire to move forward. Boldness has the same quality. But boldness is not powered through our desire to move forward. Boldness is powered through Christ. And that is the key. Giving the gospel has no power unless it's powered from Christ. We saw this morning in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, that that power comes from the Holy Ghost living inside of us and filling us with His power. But understand, that power can be checked. That power can be bottlenecked by our behavior, by the sin in our life. All right? And so this evening, as we look at boldness, please understand this is something I battle with. Uh, I, I have, by, by the Lord's will, I've been placed in a position where I have to be social. It's not my natural inclination. All right? I'm the kind of person who I'll be polite because that's how I was raised, but I don't really want to talk to people. That doesn't mean don't come talk to me because it's good for me to do that, and I have people in my life that push me to be social. Okay? Um, <clears throat> and so... Social and boldness don't walk together sometimes. You ever meet anybody that they may be bold, but not in a nice way? We call it untactful. All right? That's not what we're talking about. Boldness is that power that Christ gives us when we're sensitive to the Spirit to know this is the moment. This is the opportunity for you to use the gospel of Christ. You say... I would never feel shame like we talked about a few moments ago. Shame that Jesus saved me. I agree. However, I have felt ashamed after not following the will of the Lord, after not heeding the movement of the Spirit in my heart. If you've ever tried to give the gospel and chickened out, don't be ashamed because we've all done it. We need to get it right and move forward. But this whole week we've been talking about missions. Please understand, as we heard this morning in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, where does missions begin? It doesn't begin, well, let me get my wallet out, Brother Branson, and put money in the missions offering. That's not where it starts. It begins here. What's here comes out, what's the Bible said? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I am convinced in my life that if Jesus Christ and the love of Calvary and the gospel of Christ were all I pondered in my heart, that would be the only thing that could come out. And yet I find myself not hearing that very often from my mouth. You say, well, Mr. Davies, there's plenty of excuses. And I agree. I work in a Christian environment. Who am I going to witness to? I live across the, the playground. I don't even drive to come to work. And so I don't have to stop and get gas or stop and get coffee. Or, and, I, and, who, and all the people that I, that I deal with, a lot of the people I deal with are Christians, so I don't have anybody to witness to, Brother Bill. And so I just have to pray and give money. That's a dumb excuse. Excuse the phrase. It is. Because of all people, we're going to see this at the end. This, God got me right before service tonight with this last phrase that we're going to look at. That of anybody that should be giving the gospel, it should be this guy. Why? Because if you're a Christian and you've studied your life and the Word of God together, you know what you find? That you agree with Paul when he said, I am, I am of all men most miserable. Why? Because I'm the wickedest guy to walk the planet. I'm the chief sinner. You say, well, 
I'm not as bad as the Apostle Paul because I didn't kill anybody. I didn't throw anybody into prison. Then you don't see yourself like God sees you. And so tonight as we look at boldness, please understand, this is, this is something God has worked on me over this week. I, I am constantly put to shame by one of my daughters who has a drive to see people come to know Christ, who's constantly asking, Dad, do we have a track? And my cop-out answer is, well, did you bring one in? No. Oh, well, then that's your problem. And Robert's laughing because he's got the same problem. Right? <laughs> we say, we, you, Mr. Davies, you should carry tracks. You're right. I should. And so tonight, let's look at a couple of things about boldness. First of all, I want you to see in verse number 16, it says, For it is the power of God unto salvation. First of all, we find the need for boldness in the truth that we see behind boldness. You understand that you're not going to have boldness unless you understand where the power comes from. We heard this this morning, that the power to give the gospel to people comes from the Holy Spirit. If we're walking in sin, we don't have the Holy Spirit running our life. You can't serve God and mammon. you got to pick. And if we choose to serve the wrong one, how do you expect to be able to give the gospel? All right? And we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because we've heard this. But please understand, the power of God in your life, the Holy Ghost, is power for which we do not have to qualify. We do not have to earn that power. We ask Jesus to save us. He promises he does. You have the Holy Ghost. Now you say, I'm afraid. Amen. That's not a good reason. You say, I don't know enough. That's not true. You read. This, this, you may not have paid attention. You ought to read through the book of Acts. If you don't have something you're reading through currently in your Bible, go through the book of Acts and look at how many times Paul gives the gospel. And every time he gives the gospel, I want you to write the verses down and then go back and read them and find out how he does it. Does he stand up and give some doctoral thesis? This is the deep thinking. No, he says in, in Appalachia, hey, y'all, let me tell you what God did. That's what he says. And it's not just him. He goes back all the way to Moses. He goes back all the way to Adam. He said, y'all need a history lesson. Let me tell you how powerful God is. And then he gets all the way through and says, now let me tell you what God did for me. That's giving the gospel. You don't say, well, Mr. Davies, I don't know all the verses. Okay, that's not a good reason. That's not a good reason. It's power for which we don't have to qualify. We don't have to purchase it. You say, well, I'm going to give to missions to start out with. And then as I give to missions, what will happen is God, God will gradually give me a burden for those people I see, and I'll have, have earned the right to give the gospel. That's not true. The word that we talk about uh, that's here, the power of God we talked about this morning, it literally means the inherent power. power. You know what inherent means? It's already built there. It's in there. Inherent power. It's inside of you. You say, but it's hard. I tell the high school students all the time, life is hard. The sooner you get a grasp on that, the better you'll be able to accomplish what God has for you. Life is hard, so let's go forward. And it's power residing in us, not because of us, but because of the Holy Ghost. Okay? However, here's the interesting part. The power lives in you. The power lives in Brother Frank. He has all of the Holy Ghost living inside of him that can give him the power to witness to any person he comes across. I'm going to use you because it's easier than talking about me. Right? Anybody he comes across, Brother Frank has the power to witness to. But if Brother Frank puts a lock on that room so the Holy Ghost can't get out, there's a problem. Now, it's Brother Frank and I are on the same page. If, if Brother Frank's not paying attention, maybe he's busy. I live there. 
If you're busy and doing and doing and doing and doing and you miss that person. I kept the power locked up inside. It's like having a flashlight. My kids love, my, my kids confiscate all the good flashlights I own. I can't ever find a flashlight in my house. You know what you do with flashlight when you're a little kid? You stick your thumb over it. You stick your hand over it and your hand glows. It's like, ooh, that's really cool. But you know what? You can't see anything in the dark if your hand's over the flashlight. You can see a little glowing red thing. That ain't helping anybody. And sometimes we walk around hiding our light under a bushel. Book of Matthew says. And what happens? We're good people. We go to that church down there. And that's as far as the gospel witness goes. The truth is we have the power to do what God calls us to do. But second of all, I want you to notice the trend of boldness. We looked at this in verse number 16. It says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You understand, and we heard preaching about this this week. Pastor Guzman spoke about the bias that every good Jew had against the Greeks. Now, in case you're wondering, the Jew and Greek weren't even an ethnic division. They weren't a racial, racial division. This was literally how the Jews viewed the world. There's us and them. Us, the Jews, them, the Greeks. He said, but the Greeks were a group of people. That's not what they meant. It's not like all the people that came from Greece, that's all. But then the Spain people, they're different. No, the Spain people are Greeks. The people from Arabia are Greeks. The people from Africa are Greeks. The people that don't live in America yet during Paul's time are Greeks. Why? Because they're not Jews. There was two divisions, the Jew and the Greek. That's how they saw it. But we heard preaching this week where, hey, you missed it. I was challenged this week to think through the way I think and to pick out the biases that I have. It's hard. It's hard because our biases are built in. We don't even know they're there. Sometimes this is a hard way to find out you have them. Somebody has to call you out. That's a hard way to find out. But the, tr- the Bible says that the gospel witness is for everyone. I want you to turn with me. Let's turn together. Romans chapter 10, verse number 12. If you would, please. Romans chapter 10, verse number 12. A familiar verse to us. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10, verse number 12. Let's start in verse number 11. For the scripture saith... Whosoever believeth on him, that's Jesus Christ, shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Again, the gospel is something for which you do not have to qualify. Every single person born in the history of the world is qualified to receive the gospel and to come to Christ. All right? Look, turn back to the book of Acts. Look at Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verse number 10. Nope. Oh, see, I was reading the wrong spot. Okay. Verse number, chapter 19, verse number 10. That was correct. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia, that's not Israel in case you're wondering, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. All right, now turn Acts chapter 20. Turn over a page. Acts chapter 20, verse number 21. 
testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. What do we find? In every point from the book of Acts forward, we find that the gospel of God applies to any man who will receive it. Anyone. We say, yes, we agree, but we don't witness that way. We don't. I don't. And I know this is, I apologize for how pointed this is for a Sunday night, but if we're not willing to witness to those people we don't like, what qualifications did you have to receive Christ? You see, you need to look at this from the point of the Scripture. If we're honest with ourselves and we walk back through the years we've been alive and make a list of all the things we were guilty of, all the things we've done, I dare say we would stack up pretty close to Paul, if we're honest. And we heard this week of a man who was a Greek, a Roman centurion, who was more righteous than most people that were Christians at that time, and yet didn't know Christ. So we find the truth of, the, of boldness, the trend of boldness. You know, we've been praying for God to send us people that aren't like us. I hope you've been praying that. All right, I'm sorry to say this. If this offends you, you can fight me in the parking lot later, all right? If you're afraid of people coming in here that are going to mess it up, stink it up, disturb the service, you missed the point of the gospel. I'm being honest. You missed the point of the gospel. What did Jesus say when he came to seek and to save that which was lost? The righteous have no need of repentance. And so we have to go and find those people. Where do we see the greatest ministries beginning? In those places that have those kind of people that we say, oh, we better go use hand sanitizer after we shake their hand. Well, let's let them sit over here in the corner. You guys sit over here. Or, hey, we'll, we'll say hi as we walk by, but we don't necessarily want to shake their hand because you never know. It's not what it says. Now, Third of all, and this is, this is where we'll spend, well, not the majority of our time, but this is where God got a hold of me tonight. Let's talk about the traction of boldness. You understand, go back to Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> the question is not, do we need boldness, and should we share Christ? The question is, how do we get this moving? What puts this truth on the road? Because we can sit here and talk about all the things we should do, but until we say, here's what we're going to do, this is a pointless exercise. And so I want you to look in verse number 17. The Bible says, For therein, verse number 16, not being ashamed and using the power of God for everyone to hear the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed, notice the phrase, from faith to faith. You say, what does faith to faith mean? That means I have faith here, and I step forward, and now I have faith here, and I step forward and have faith here. That might be it. But think about the context. What's it mean? You ready? Let me tell you about my Savior. And I witnessed to him, and I preached the gospel to him. He comes to know Christ. That's from faith to faith. But then he reads the verse. From faith to to faith, from faith to faith. But while he's passing his faith on, I'm going to pass mine on again. Why? How did the disciples turn the world upside down? 
in a span of less than 70 years. Faith to faith. That's how we see the power of God put into practice by me having the faith to say, okay, God, I don't like this. It's not comfortable. I wish I was doing something else, but I know this is what you want me to do. And if you're a chicken like me, you say, hey, here's something for you to read when you get a chance, and then run. Or if you're in the drive-thru, you just hit the gas. It's easier. You know what I'm afraid we are in this area? I meet very few people in this area who are what I would consider to be rough characters, characters that you wouldn't turn your back on. I know there's some here. But most of the people that you and I know and interact with on a weekly basis are people we, to some degree, trust. And hopefully, the people that you know trust you as well. But do they know the Savior? You see, we have enough men and women that live in this area that are just good people. We got, a hand, we got more than we can handle of that. We need people that aren't just good people, that people know, hey, that person knows Jesus. How do you know? They tried to give me the gospel. I had to tell them, all right, I got it, calm down. All right, I already got one. We, we lose that. Why? Because, well, he said he knew, the, he, he knew the Savior, so I guess that's close enough. Well, it might be, but it might not be. It might be I need to go and, and be sure. It might be I might not need to say, hey, Brother Bill, you ought to come to our church and hear our preacher. Man, he can sure rip the rug. He can sure let it tear. Go come here and preach. That's the wrong, that's the wrong process. You ought to come here by my Jesus. But how are they going to know your Jesus is real? Keep reading. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, hold on, the just shall work on their faith every day a little bit at a time. That's not what it says. The just shall live by faith. That's the rubber on the road. Now, here's the so what, and then we've got to finish what we're talking about. Do you live by faith? You say, well, yeah, Brother Davies, I do. Every morning I get up and say, Lord, protect me as I drive, and Lord, provide for our finances, and Lord, help me to do my best at work. That's not the faith I'm talking about. That is good faith to have, but that's not the faith I'm talking about. The faith I'm talking about is the faith that caused Peter to step out onto the water. The faith that caused Abraham to leave Ur and go to a place he didn't know where he was going to. The faith that caused Joseph to keep his eyes focused on Christ in spite of the situation. That's the faith we're talking about. That's the faith I have to live with. I have to say, you know what? I'm going to trust God for what's difficult, not the easy stuff. We live in America. Okay? We ought to be thankful for that. I know there's been times in each one of our lives where things have been a little skinny. We've not had a whole lot of food. We haven't had a whole lot of money. We can't go out to eat. We have to eat poor people food. All right? Rice and beans. Amen, Brother Johnny. Rice and beans. If it weren't for rice and beans, some of us wouldn't be here today. But you know what the truth of the matter is? For people in that situation, do they need faith for the next meal? Absolutely. You're not there. As far as I know... Nobody in this room is worried about where the next meal is coming from. And if you are, you shouldn't be because we got food afterwards. All right. But here's my question. So where's the faith in your life then? 
I'm trusting God to just give me the strength to get through. Pardon my Baptist phraseology, that's stupid. Of course God's going to give you the faith if you trust him. Now how about we trust him for something big? My son, I better not say it too loud because he'll catch on and pay attention. All right? There's a certain person in my family that has developed an interest in the invitation. Fill in the gaps. And the prayer request is, help us to behave. Amen. Why does he say that? He has faith that God's going to help him. But if his daddy at age 40 is saying, Lord, help us to behave, my faith isn't very strong. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, as a new Christian we ought to desire to get all the word we can. But then as we grow as Christians, we ought to start putting some meat on that table. And that meat means we got to practice. It doesn't just go down easy. It's hard to swallow. And so we got to work on it. That's the traction of boldness. Living by faith. And a lot of times we say living by faith. Well, yes, all the circumstances come. Mr. Davies, you don't understand the big problem we're facing. We need faith. Amen. But how about we face this little problem first? Let's give the gospel to somebody. Look at what it says. I want you to turn back. Uh, turn to Acts number 19. We'll wrap up here. Acts number 19. Truth of the matter is, faith is the key to living a victorious, fruitful Christian life. Faith is the engine from which boldness is produced. The fuel for that engine is the Holy Ghost. There's never a shortage of fuel. It's whether you turn the engine on or not. Faith is demonstrated by works. James chapter 2, verse number 18 says, Watch me. And you'll see faith. I wish to God that were true of every member of every Baptist church in With County. Watch me. You'll see faith. But guess what James chapter 2 also says in verse number 20. You see people doing stuff, but it's not yielding any fruit. It's because their faith is dead. I'm not saying they're not saved. They've gotten so accustomed to doing and living, and this is what we do that is just routine. Look at Acts chapter 19 and verse number 17. I want you to see this. I've read this phrase and not really pondered on it until this afternoon. As soon as I get there, I'll read it to you. Hang on. Acts chapter 19, verse number 17. Look what it says. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. What does that mean? We live by faith. God's going to get glory. He's going to. We have to live by faith. We don't say, well, I better do something today to make sure that God gets glory. You can. It's called living by faith. That means trust God. Means trust. Sometimes we get so tied up, so tied up, And I wonder what God wants me to do in this situation. I'm going to go out to eat, and there's going to be a waiter or waitress. Someone's going to bring our food and the menus and take our order. I wonder if I should give them the gospel. No, none of us would say that. Why? We know what God's will is. And then we sit at the table, we order our food, and we're like, ah, we forgot a track. And we're too lazy to say, I'm going to run out to the car and get a track. Now, if you're like me, I forget to put tracks in my car, so I'm twice as wicked as everybody else, right? 
And so I got to put tracks in the car so that I have a chance to give them to somebody that needs them. But you know what I found? One of the most encouraging things is I go to give a track to somebody. Here, we're from the Fellowship Baptist Church, and I'm on staff there, and I give her a track. I said, you ought to come visit with us and hear how great our Jesus is. And she says, well, that's a blessing. I appreciate you giving me. I go to Rural Retreat Baptist Church. One of our people. You say, don't go to our church. Same cut. That's an encouragement. We have a friend in the area. Or we say, well, here, here's a track for you. Brother Bill, I'm going to give you a track. You ought to come and to our church and, and, and just see how, how wonderful of a time we have worshiping the Lord every Sunday. And he says, well, I appreciate that. I go to Faith Free Will Baptist Church. And I say, well, let me get my Bible out and straighten you out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What are we trying to tell people? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Not let me iron you out. God's got that under control. He don't need you to help him iron somebody out. I say, well, praise the Lord. I'm glad to meet another brother in Christ. And he'll say, well, and this is what you do. You get him good. You say, he said, well, here, I, I, I don't need this track because I'm already saved. Why don't you give it to somebody else? I say, well, why don't you give it to somebody else? I got a whole pile of them here, and I'll give these out, and you give that one out. <laughs> now we guilt, guilt them into doing it. Peer pressure. Good peer pressure. Give you a tract out. And it has our name on it. Even better. All right. So what are we saying? We bring God glory when we live by faith. How do we live by faith? Do what he says. I've been trying to drill faith, Ms. Becky, into my children. I have not succeeded. Not very well. Because my children constantly, well, what's going on? Well, what, what's the plan? What are we doing? Just trust me. Well, where are we going? What's the plan? And sometimes, you know where they get that? From the guy they watch in their house who does the same thing to God. So what's the plan, God? Just trust me. Okay, but, but what, what's next? What, we need, no, what, I don't know how this is going to end. Yeah, I know. Trust me. There comes a point where you say, you know what? If I can't, which is all the time, God can. Now, back to Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 14 and we're done. Look at verse 14. This is where God... Now, you may say, Mr. Davies, I don't like giving out tracts. It's too controversial. Uh, you remember, I'm not supposed to talk about religion and politics. That's the two things you don't talk about. And I've given tracts. I've had people throw them down at me. Me too. I've had people slam the door. Me too. I've had people cuss at me. Me too. And you say, well, maybe I'll just live my Christian life and people will just know that Jesus did this. Now, look at verse 14. You ready? For I am, what's the next word? Brother Branson, what's a debtor? Hmm? Yeah. Somebody who owes somebody something. Look what it says. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. You know what this means? When I came face to face with Christ and realized who I was and who he was, and I gave my life to him, he paid my debt. But now I'm in debt. And I have a debt to pay to the lost people around me. And I'm the one who has the payment. Now, I don't pay for their sins, but I got the money. This can pay for your sin debt. It came from my God, and it's for you.
Some say, well, you know, they look like they're having a rough day, so I'm not going to give them the gospel. I'll just say, hey, you look like you're having a rough day. I'll pray for you. I, we should pray for each other. I'm tired of hearing people say, I'll pray for you. I really am. You know why? Because that in my life, okay, so this is me. I'm not talking about you. Don't get offended. I say, I'll pray for you. And if I don't stop right then, okay, Lord, I need you to pray for Brother Bill, so-and-so, and this issue, okay. So if I don't, I forget. And I say, I'll pray for you, and then I don't remember it until the next time I say, oh, yeah, I was supposed to pray for him. And I go up, how's it going, Brother Bill? How's the, how's the situation going? Oh, it got fixed. Well, amen. I ain't telling him I didn't pray for him. I really, I, and, and, and I'm, I'm being honest. I'm tired of hearing people say, I'll pray for you. You could probably count on one hand the number of people you could call right now if something catastrophic happened in your life and say, I need God's help now. You probably could count on one hand, and it may not take you that many fingers that the people that you could call. That should not be the case, brethren. We should be able to tell to any one of our church members and know for a fact God's throne is being bombarded by our entire church family. God, we need your help now. But you know what happens? Well, you know, I, I need to give out more tracts. I need to witness to people, you know, but COVID, you know, people don't like germs. And, and you know, well, people have distanced socially. And so it's really difficult for us to really have a personal relationship with someone we meet. And any other excuses, y'all can fill in the other excuses that run through your mind. Yeah. But truth of the matter is, All the excuses we have won't keep them out of hell. And all the excuses we have won't absolve us of the blood that will be on our hands because we chose, chose, chose not to give the gospel. Why? It's inconvenient. The boldness that we need. It's the power of God flowing through us with love for those people who are just like us. Don't forget where we came from. And remember that we're a debtor to every lost person, whether we meet them or whether we'll never meet them because they're in another country on another continent. That's the value of boldness. We know the Great Commission. It's easy for us to say, well, Mr. Davies, here, let me tell you what the Great Commission is. Yeah, but are we doing it? Are we willing to make the hard choice to live with boldness for Christ?